So hi, Aileen. Well, hi, Serge. So how did you get into somatic work? Well, it was a long journey, and I would say that um, it was an evolution because I started out as a painter, and as I was painting, I could see on the canvas certain patterns, certain distortions that were that were bizarre, I, but they were enough to um, attract my attention. And then I met a friend who was also a painter who would look at her paintings in a mirror so that she could see them in reverse to to really understand what she was doing in terms of the energetic patterning. And when I did that with my paintings, I was shocked. Everything was leaning from left to right, and when I looked at them not in the mirror, it seemed kind of normal but a little strange. So that's when I I got that whatever I was putting on the canvas was a reflection of what was patterned in my body and my nervous system. And of course, being somewhat of a, I don't know, a proud artist, I didn't want to show my my deficiencies to the world and I thought I have to do something about my body because I I can't let this be. <laughs> and um so in a way from the very beginning you were doing sort of art therapy on yourself by using art as a mindful exploration of who you are. Yes. Very well said. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And yes. And and art actually is because Painting is so slow, and it does require such a mindful attention to gesture. There was already there a patterning in using the body. I think musicians do it even more. It's like art really comes through the body. So, um, and at that point, um, I was in Los Angeles, and I heard about Continuum, which was Emily Conrad's work. And so I was immediately, I heard the word continuum and a little bell went off in my brain and I immediately sort of found myself at continuum and found myself discovering uh, ways of being with the body that were so far beyond any consciousness I'd ever had, you know, before. So mm -hmm. I would say that continuum was really the doorway into my understanding and my living in my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so from that curiosity to the body, you actually discovered that there was something very satisfying about exploring in your, your body and living in your body. Right, yes. And what Emily taught was really the intelligence of the tissues. She had somehow come to this incredible wisdom that, um, there's an evolutionary intelligence in that if we enter our body with curiosity and without judgment, um, then we will come into contact with that intelligence. And then if we allow the intelligence to move us, it has a huge, um, a profound healing power. And beyond a healing power, it has an evolutionary movement in that it develops us in ways that um, we weren't before. So it was a way, it was a developmental way actually of, but from an evolutionary perspective and from the perspective of the body itself and not the personal story. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. So f- finding that uh, implicit energy in the body and getting out of its way so that you could follow it as yes. opposed to being blocked by the story and the old uh, narrative. Yes, yes. And learning to go to that place, I think, I wasn't a, a psychologist then. I hadn't, at some, at a certain point, I went back to school and got a degree in, in, and a license to be a psychologist. But at that point, I was just an artist discovering this. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I came to psychology and when I came to therapy, I I already had this established relationship with my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, from there, because I was a painter, I was also doing highly symbolic work, and I was curious about what the imagery meant. And um, at the time, Pacifica Graduate Institute was just starting, and I saw an ad for it, and I thought, maybe that would be a fun place to go, to explore what this imagery, particularly that it was Jungian and they were inviting artists of all kinds to to join the program. And so they did accept me in the program, and I began this journey of exploring then the psyche alongside this other exploration that had been going on with my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Um, when I when I came to having to do an internship, which was an internship in a regular clinic where you sit and talk, I was suddenly sort of really struck with the fact that I couldn't sit and just talk with the person because I could already see and feel so much of what was going on in the body. And that's when I made the connection with somatic psychotherapy, which was still, I mean, this was the 80s, early 90s. It was, it you know, it was mm-hmm. not that common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, so, so in a way, it was the meeting point of these two areas of your own quest. Right. And, um, and realizing that actually the quest for meaning was not to be separated from understanding yourself or understanding people at a somatic level. Right, yes. Yes. So that's remained always very important to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then the, 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 I, I didn't know what to do about it. How does one bring, you know, the somatic and <clears throat> the psyche together, given that there was such a taboo around the body in the psychological circles where I was trying to learn to be a therapist? Mm-hmm. And that's when I discovered, well, at the time, in addition to Continuum, the only thing I found that was available was um, Rolfing and Postural Integration. Mm-hmm. And that was my entry to bringing it together in, um, in, 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 a, in a therapeutic setting. And from there, kind of continued to evolve and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, so then you started to integrate it in your own practice. I started to integrate it in my own practice. And I soon came up against, I suppose, a kind of a glass ceiling that as a body-centered therapist or somatic therapist, 
there was a tremendous amount of prejudice. I would go to, you know, marriage and family therapist meetings, and I would tell them I work with the body, I touch the body, and I might as well have told them I was a witch, you know. <laughs> it was like, you what? <laughs> so it was very disconcerting at the time to, to meet that, um, I don't know that 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 lack of knowledge really, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided that I I didn't want to be marginalized as a body psychotherapist, and I enrolled to um, to train as a psychoanalyst. I thought for sure if I have the credentials of a psychoanalyst and I touch people, maybe that will give me some credibility. <laughs> So, so I did that. But you know, it's interesting as a side uh, to directly your experience. Um, in a way, what you're touching on is how uh, you know the support we get from society, the sense of being marginal, the sense of being supported, and it's not just at an individual level, but in a way, it kind of translates into how we contact clients. That do we feel like we are. Uh, supported by the mainstream or oddball is going to yeah. have an impact also in terms of, um, you know, the therapeutic relationship. It, it certainly does. And it has an impact on also on who comes to work with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> and yes, <laughs> it's true. And, and that has been a really long struggle for me. Um, and now I feel like all these years later, um, I am I, I am in contact with a lot of young women, young women and men who are starting in their journey of becoming therapists, and looking at me and saying, "How did you integrate?" Because it seems like that issue is still a very pertinent one to these times, even though there are more trainings in somatic work. I still see a lot of either body workers or massage therapists who who go, how do I learn the psychological part? And a lot of psychologists who haven't learned or don't know how to bridge to include the body and see the importance of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because they each have gone through uh, fairly stringent training for to become who they are, they're not ready to take on a whole other training that's long and expensive. You know, as a a psychotherapist, where are they going to go back to school to really learn about the body? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there are trainings, weekend trainings, you know, somatic experiencing and uh, Pat Ogden's trainings and Hakomi trainings. They're wonderful trainings. But what I see at least happening in Los Angeles is that um, psychotherapists are doing these trainings and coming back in their practice, but they haven't had the deepening within their own bodies yeah. because these weekend trainings can't offer that place, that piece of truly exploring. Well, I guess I'm going back to like my experience at Continuum of many years of going back to be with the intelligence of the body and that piece I'm kind of passionate about. It's like I see is missing, and I'm really questioning how can that 
be brought forth, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that feels great. So in a way, uh, in making a big difference between uh, training, techniques, philosophy, approach, you know, that whole kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. also the direct experience of being mm-hmm. with the intelligence of the body and experiencing yeah. what it's like to be with the intelligence of the body. Yes. And so maybe, you know, understanding that one can only have that experience when one has it, and talking about it has very real limitations, you know, as if we were talking about what it's like to ride a bicycle, you know. um, But can we give a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be with the experience of the body versus not being with it? Um, Yes. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to get the thread of an example that would be concise and really to the point. Um, well, you know, one of the, maybe this is going to be a roundabout answer, but um, one of the things that's very, that I track or that I really pay attention or feel with the body is the sense of expansion and contraction. Mm-hmm. which really also the breath is an example. We inhale, there's a certain expansion. We exhale, there's a certain com- contraction, we could say. And it can be just a, a regular pulse where we inhale and exhale is part of a cycle, mm-hmm. like a pulse cycle. Or it can be a forced uh, fear of, inha- of of inhalation and and a contraction in the exhale. So when somebody, um, when, when I'm with a client, shall we say, it, very early on I educate them about that sense of expansion and contraction. And the contraction is easy to say. Like if someone says something hurtful to you, what happens in your body? And right away the person will like make a gesture for, let's say, with their fist over their heart and they'll go, oh, it's like a shock in my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then... Um, and that oftentimes gets covered up by by a narrative about some something that happened that was hurtful. So the intelligence of the body or the story of the body is always underneath. In that, how does how does a person know that something is is disconnecting or hurtful or harmful? The body itself will first have a reaction that tells us there'll be. Um, a contraction in the gut or a little sense of a shock in the heart or a closure at the throat. And that's the body telling us even before any other layer that something has happened that breaks the connection with the other person. Mm-hmm. And so there's an intel, there's a relation. I guess I'm talking right now about a relational intelligence mm-hmm. and a visceral knowing about relational intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, in what you said, there's so many different strands, and (laughs) (laughs) and so what I want to do is I want to try for a moment to, in a way, separate them, uh, and and you know, not to say that I remember all of them at this point, but I see one where you're talking about breathing and contraction expansion. Mm -hmm. You're talking about tracking. You're talking about education, 
you know, yeah. just so that in a way for clients to speak that language, uh, you know, they have to know the possibility of that language and the showing. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe also simply in the middle one that I mentioned, there's the tracking. And the tracking is something that cannot be done mechanically and has to be with the therapist's own experience of that. So maybe, you know, how could we just develop, you know, like parts of this to go, uh, is that, was, is what's difficult the self-tracking, you know, for people? Is it? Yes. Well, it's both. It's, it's the therapist, if a therapist does, is not present in their own body, they will have difficulty empathically sensing what's happening in the client. And then clients in general, I mean, when do we ever learn to track with our bodies? You know, for a lot of therapists I see now is like somatic experiencing was a real opening because it brought forth the, this idea of tracking in the body. And it's one thing to track a sensation in a general way, and but then the more we know the anatomy of the body, the more, more we know the systems of the body and what they do, the easy, the, the more interesting the tracking becomes because it can become more specific. Is is the what's happening in the body in the digestive system, or is it in the nervous system, or is it more of a cellular feeling, or a sense in the bones, or it's like all of the tissues have their own intelligence because they do different jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess I'm talking about refining um, tracking. Yeah, yeah. So so feels very nice, both in the phrase you use, you say refining tracking, but also, you know, as you were listing different possibilities that the digestive system is this, this, is this, that. So in a way, not just staying at the surface, but living there in an educated way so yeah. that, you know, there is that possibility of asking questions to oneself, of making, and of, and of literally refining. Refining. You know, what I see happening a lot as well is that there's a fascination with the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And the talk about we're tracking the nervous system, we're tracking the sympathetic, the parasympathetic. But for me, though, that's the communication line in the body and that the nervous system is actually carrying signals from the organs, from the cells, from different other areas of the body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of an opening to the richness of it. And um, in a sense that, in a way, since tracking is something that comes from the metaphor of hunting, uh, if you take a city person you put in the forest, there's a lot of stuff that they're totally oblivious to that they're not seeing, that actually an experienced tracker, hunter, would see. That's wonderful. That's a great image. (laughs) You know, I'm actually learning to put a narrative to this experience or to what I'm trying to communicate. So it's Mm -hmm. really helpful to have you um, say it in your own words that way. Thank you. Yeah. So so then that's really the part is that what you're saying is that 
if you're not exploring the territory in that way and broadening your experience of it, you're going to just miss out on a lot. Uh, yes, yes. Right. And and a lot that's very wonderful when you think about it. We live, live in these bodies that have been evolving for millions of years and there's there's so much I love your metaphor of the jungle and and an experienced tracker will see so much more and then the life of the of 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 the jungle comes forth you know whereas mm-hmm. when one isn't experienced and you miss it you miss so much you don't get to participate in the life in the same way yeah yeah it's very surface yeah yeah yeah. So then that's a very strong case for, um, it's not just, you know, armed with a theory or armed with a sense of, yeah, I'm going to track, but, um, that in a way logging in, you know, set experience and intentionality and, uh, attention and learning about the milieu. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, the way I teach it is I start with looking at images of the anatomy and really looking at the design and going deep into the function of the design itself on a biological level and then moving back out to the more energetic experience that comes from that. So is there an example that comes to mind that might make it concrete, you know, between the anatomy and the expression? Well, yeah, like for the in the heart, for example, it's like looking at the heart. There's within the heart, um, like a, a pulse. It, the um, the the essay note is called. But there's there are little cells in the heart that initiate that ignite the pulse, mm-hmm. and that's where life starts. And so, for example, we'll look at an animation because you. It's, I mean, one can have, you know, a little movie of the heart pulsing, but also like an animation that shows like the ignition at the SA node and, and the way that travels through the heart and creates the pulse. So then going, you know, having that image in one's mind of what actually is happening and then going to a more energetic felt sense experience of the heart, one can go deeper into feeling, you know, even feeling that moment of the ignition. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very powerful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially the, that the heart absorbs so many shocks in terms of misattunements or abuse or whatever. It's like to reconnect with that pulse in the heart is very healing and very powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what you're describing um, uh, is that sense of connecting with the mechanism and uh, not, it's not an abstract concept because a very specific way that you're describing it is something where there is a way of making come together the inner experience of the movement together mm-hmm. with the roadmap, uh, which is that animated movie, that conceptual framework that mm-hmm. shows what is happening. And mm-hmm. as the two overlap, then there is an in-depth understanding that combines the experience, but also its meaning or its, uh, you know, in a larger framework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every single organ and part of the body has 
I don't know. I, I personally find it fascinating to approach my body in that way because I feel that it's honoring of something greater than me in terms of that evolutionary intelligence which I get to be witness of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in addition to just that understanding of how the you know the organ, the body works in that sense, we're in an even larger framework of right. feeling a sense of having the experience as a human being, I'm part of that pulse of life. Right, yeah. 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 And bringing it very much into a relational context, mm-hmm. you know, because all of our senses, we're, we're so geared to be relational and to take in our environment in addition to feeling what's inside of us. So the relational piece really... Um, is powerful in in terms of understanding the body. You know, the eyes are very relational. How we listen is very relational. And there's the piece that when we have trauma, we shut down some aspect of the body that shuts down the relationality. But by going back to the anatomy, uh, it's almost like we can go to a place that's deeper than the story and then come to the story with a sense of owning ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the part about, um, you know, we're, when we track the body, when we pay attention to what's happening inside, it's not a means to an end. It's not just like, oh, I'm feeling a sensation here or there. But actually with a deeper understanding that everything in us uh, is connected to our environment in a broad sense, Yes. So, in other words, when we track in that perspective, we actually are deeply engaged in having a cellular or muscular understanding of our relationship with the with the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it it all works together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, as we're talking this way, I am experiencing a sense of, um, like, a little bit of um, slowing down, and for lack of a better word, I would say a sense of awe, um, in the sense of, you know, like, I'm feeling it in the eyes, I'm feeling it in other places, but the sense of it is a sense at the same time of feeling the connection with that something larger. Oh, that's wonderful, <laughs> because that's what I was trying to communicate. Mm. So it's it's wonderful to hear you reflect it back, and sometimes I find it difficult to communicate it with words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Maybe just taking a moment to see, um, you know, we started off with the idea of communicating your experience of how you got into, you know, the somatic approach, and then went into the sense of, um, on your experience of dealing with other people who are, you know, learning somatic approaches and what that might be missing. We talked a little bit about that experience, so just see if there's something else that might need to be said to conclude this.
Um, I think I would just say that, you know, from that perspective, it seems to me that going to the body is a highly spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And, and as you said, a really awesome experience. Yeah, yeah. And it feels nice uh, that, as you say it, it's within the context of having described a mechanism, you know, steps, an approach, a spirit, you know, in how it can be done, as opposed to it's a statement. Um, and then yeah. there is no pathway to doing it. Right, yes. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's an experience, but also one that one can find its way to. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> this is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.